0: For the 430 movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete, uncensored, ass kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Sundays on Electric Now. Tune in to the official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very distinctive podcast with me, Yael Teagle, and my co-host, Felicia Michelle. Each week, we'll be breaking down another episode of Leverage Redemption. Plus, we've got exclusive interviews with the stars, as well as some games, and we'll even be showing off some amazing fan art. So after you watch Leverage Redemption on IMDb TV, you'll definitely want to join us here to catch all the Easter eggs and behind the scenes fun. The official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very distinctive podcast. Sundays on Electric Now. If you like listening to this podcast, you'll love watching us on Electric Now, the free video streaming app featuring video versions of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts, along with full seasons of The Librarians, Leverage, the exclusive Leverage Redemption After Show, as well as Flash Gordon serials, hysterical comedy specials, and much more. Download it today from your favorite app store or watch us on Roku, Stir, DistroTV, Zumo, Sling, or Plex.
1: Welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. How
3: are you doing today, Josh?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Uh, we are continuing our epic, multi-parted, unmade Batman series, joined by our guests, Pat Casey and Ed Greer. How are you hey. guys?
2: I'm Doing well. This is Pat doing great this is it he's doing better than me
1: (laughs) uh so we are just going to pick up right where we left off in the previous episode
3: yeah so i guess from here we we uh we have the bomb the bob Kane treatment from june 12th 1986 With, with, with this one there was a documentary shadow of the bat and his wife said that a hollywood reporter came out that batman might not be made because the script just wasn't was rejected by the studio and if they don't come up with a better script they're going to shelve the batman movie and bob Kane was devastated so he wrote his own treatment and he wrote like a whole letter to um to the vice president of production at warner brothers you know and he was like So he wrote this uh, treatment saying that, like, pretty much I'm enclosing my version of a Batman movie treatment for your evaluation. It is only my intention to submit a version that might possibly put a writer of your choice in the right on the right track, you know, so. So
1: So he was just kind of doing this off. Entirely on his own, and it yeah, I don't think anyone asked him impact. to do this. No. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's interesting.
3: According to his wife, he was freaked out that they weren't going to make the movie. All these scripts were getting turned down, and he's like, "You know what? This is the you know just trying to show them kind of like what Uslan was trying to do also in the '70s. Was like this is maybe this is a mood you should go for. You know, this is you know, and he even says in the letter, rather not the campy one of the television show. You know, so and he also wrote his own version of the Bible to give to the new Batman writer for a guideline, you know? So that's what this draft is. Yeah. This letter it's
2: interesting. Cause he says like, I'm, lo- I'm eagerly looking forward to my meeting as you suggested with the new Batman writer, Sam Ham. So like Sam Ham had gotten this assignment.
3: Yeah. Um, by this point, I-, I could not find a date where he officially was turned on to the project, unfortunately. But he, yeah, he knows that this should be,
2: Written in the mysterioso mood rather than the campy one of the television yeah. show, he uses the word mysterioso like a dozen times, like a lot, <laughs> lot. Like I think um,
4: it, it, he thinks it's in a, a genre that he created, which may or may not be true on some level. Uh, but yeah, he, he
2: yeah He's he very says, I'm looking forward to working with Sam intermittently this time around, whatever that means, as an active creative consultant. Active is underlined. Um, <laughs> So like that was like attached to this treatment, but then the treatment itself is like nine pages of just more of the letter before he gets to the story. Um, but yeah, he wants like yeah, the, I be- the
1: beginning of that. And I was amazed at just this glossary of things at the top of the document. Yeah, The right? mood should be
2: ominous with a fog laden atmosphere, not unlike Dracula. Uh, But however, we can instill some lighter nuances in the dialogue, a la James Bond. And the script, aside from being mysterioso, should be filled with high Daredevil action-packed adventure, which comes to an excruciatingly suspenseful climax in the most grandiose manner possible, which will leave the audience numb with terror and excitement. But he has notes, he notes Joker should be the villain, because he's the best Batman villain, and suggests jack nicholson and wants him to be not do corny puns but to be not play wacky practical jokes but instead dangerous practical jokes with life or death consequences and then interestingly he suggests like if you don't want to do the joker you should do the man bat which would make this into more of a horror picture and if you want to know more about man bat i can send you some comics
4: (laughs) Um. (laughs) oh and and my favorite part my favorite part is this He goes, uh, the Catwoman, Uh, assuming the writer and director are going to use the Joker in a Batman movie, uh, as I am so inclined, then I would suggest only one other supervillain, and that is Catwoman for this movie. She is Batman's female nemesis, not quite as evil as the Joker, yada, yada, yada. And he goes, Catwoman is the epitome of sensual pulchritude. Using a 10 plus actress in physical demeanor as such as Jacqueline Bissett or Barbara Carrera. Now I looked up both these people. Obviously, I think most of people in the audience know who Jacqueline Bissett is. She was kind of big in the 70s. But Barbara Carrera is the is the is the Bond girl in um Never Say Never Again. Barbara Canberra yes. is so fucking fine, bro. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I don't want to go full Bob Kane with it, but that was a call for your ass. She is
2: yeah. <laughs> fucking awesome. It would have oh, been dude, great. I love her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he
4: it would have been great.
2: Batman has a secret yen for Catwoman's body and is ever-pursuing campaign to reform Catwoman from her life of crime. You see, Batman is human after all, and he does have a libido for beautiful and sensual women. And this makes me think
4: he read the Heart draft and was like, get this shit the fuck out of here. I hate this. I hate the fact that, you know, that my uh my Batman is such a, you know, several treatments have gone by treating him as like this abstinent hurt little dove or whatever. After the Mike Woods draft, it seems like he goes back into this yeah. hurt little lot, you know, place. So yeah, I, I think he read those and just like, nope, my Batman Fs. That's what he does.
1: <laughs> Parentheses, yeah. boyo-yoing.
2: He's also like, we should save Robin for the sequel, but if we use him, let's avoid the holy this, holy that entirely and play him straight. But then interestingly, he includes Robin in his treatment. Um, he's also like, we should cast an unknown as Batman handsome like Christopher Reed, but also charming and a great actor like Cary Grant. And that he's like, also make his costume black and bigger ears and a scalped black cape. I will send you some sketches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and
4: then he, and he compares it about, again yeah.
2: to Raiders of the Lost Ark yep. and James Bond. So then we finally get to a story on like page 10. Yeah. We start with a sequence of the Joker stealing a classic car, a 1927 Stutz Bearcat from a classic car showroom. Cops show up and Joker kills them with the laughing gas gun. Um, And then Batmobile starts following him. Batman had been alerted to the break-in by his two-way police radio intercom system, which is tied into the network of all the police precincts in Gotham. I always just kind of find it funny, like old movies and especially super old people trying to be like, what sounds high tech? Uh, But it's a car chase through the rain. Joker crashes on the George Washington Bridge and starts climbing the girders and Batman climbs up after him. Quote, the two men look like tiny spiders in a giant spider web as they become immersed in the giant girders of the bridge. Um, Joker shoots Batman in the face with his gas gun, but Batman's unaffected. And Joker's like, what? And he slips and falls to the river below. Batman says out loud, could this really be the end of the Joker? I wonder. Batman returns <laughs> to the Batmobile and takes gas filters out of his nose. Unfortunately, the Joker. We'll never know how I avoided his deadly laughing gas with the aid of these two rubber plugs in my nostrils. He should have known that I have anticipated his modus operandi by now. Um, Oh, and then I flagged the scene we could read of Batman talking to Alfred. this (laughs) isn't campy at all. Um, Yeah, who's playing who, Pat? Uh,
1: You're the casting director. Josh,
2: why don't you be Batman this time? And Ed, you be Alfred. So Batman's sitting in his easy chair in his study and Alfred walks in with a tray of coffee and cake and sets it uh, next to Bruce's chair.
1: Ed, you got it? Oh, wait. Yeah, wait, did you get this email, Ed? Ed's muted. Oh no, Ed, you're muted.
4: <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting into character, dude. I was I was in the pantry <laughs> making some cake. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. All right. Okay, um, I brought your dessert, Master Bruce.
1: Thank you, Alfred. The house is rather quiet with Dick away at college, eh, what, Master Bruce? Yes, Alfred, but he'll be home for the summer holidays. It must feel strange fighting crime without your sidekick, sir. Yes, Alfred, but we're all conditioned to change. You must remember that I was a lone crime fighter ever before I adopted Dick and taught him to become Robin. <laughs>
4: Yes, Master Bruce, it seems like only yesterday since you adopted Dick as your ward after that unfortunate circus accident which killed his parents on the high-trust piece trapeze wire. <laughs> Tell me, sir, you seem to be moody and introspective since you returned from your vigil tonight over Gotham City as Batman. Did you encounter any trouble
1: this month? This is Puffs, exposition yeah. man. Puffs on his pipe pensively, it says in the parenthetical. Yeah, Bruce <laughs>
2: Wayne is always smoking a pipe throughout this entire treatment.
1: You're quite observant, Alfred. As a matter of fact, I apprehended my old archenemy, the Joker, who got away for good this time.
2: Did you really apprehend him? That's just me, Pat Casey, <laughs> <just> <laughs> chiming in. That's just yeah, it is ridiculous. Uh for good,
1: sir? Right, Alfred. I'm afraid so. It appears that he drowned in our encounter after the over the Washington Bridge. Well, if you don't mind me saying so, sir, it's good riddance to a really bad egg. Yes, Alfred, I suppose you're right but I wouldn't rush his obituary as yet. Alfred it's a real natural dialogue. Yeah. Like Bob (laughs)
2: Kane never like uh, improved at writing dialogue after (laughs) the very first issue of detective comics. That was the height of his skill.
1: Uh, My my, my first note on this would be um, Bruce Wayne, maybe shouldn't say Alfred's name in literally every line he has (laughs) responding to Alfred.
2: Sometimes twice, that last one. Yeah. Yes, Alfred, I suppose you're right, but I wouldn't rush his obituary as yet, Alfred. That's Dude, my the,
4: name. Don't wear it out, sir. And this, then this 40s diet of tobacco smoke and cake in the middle of the <laughs> night.
2: Like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but then, yeah, Bruce starts like looking out the window and flashing back to uh, his whole origin. We see them leaving a movie. It doesn't say which movie they're seeing this time. Um, Joe Chill kills his parents. I guess I don't say Joe Chill, but then Bruce stares into the eyes of the killer, and freaks him out. They do that Damn bit. Young Bruce at the grave, making a vow to avenge the death of his parents by becoming a crime fighter when he grows into manhood, pursuing a relentless avenging crusade against all criminals who break the Ten Commandments in our society. Giving a little religious vent to the Batman here. Montage of B- Batman doing gymnastics, working in a crime lab sitting in a study, reading Crime and Punishment. I am now ready to become a crusading (laughs) Avenger. But first I must assume a disguise to protect my identity. Criminals really are a superstitious, cowardly lot underneath all the veneer. So my disguise must strike terror into their hearts. I must become a prowler of the night, eerie and frightful. Uh, uh, and then the bat flies in through the window. That's it.
1: Like Cut a to a a reveal, reveal of that sounds, like he's, man this sounds like he's
4: masturbating
1: in the movie. <laughs> well, that really makes it seem like whatever came into that room at that moment, you know, I will be <laughs> lamp man. <Yeah>. whatever the <laughs> next thing
2: I see is yeah. must become my theme.
1: Uh hello, Mr. Wayne. I will be Alfred Man.
4: Oh, and just to be a just to be a dickhead, I don't know all the camera terms, like tilt and boom, I guess, and then there's Pan, then there's Dolly. Kane seems to think that you could just dolly anywhere. But the very first scene is him dollying in from the sky all the way down the street level, all the way into like somebody's eye or something. He just thinks you can dolly to the moon. Dolly to the moon. The That's end, what he thinks.
1: Dolly out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Joker crawling out of the river. He's not dead. Shock. He goes back to his secret base full of stolen priceless paintings, etc., swears revenge on Batman. And then we sort of just get really hand-wavy with what this movie is says, the Joker embarks on a rampage of ingenious new crimes, which keep the police and Batman in constant frustration and conf- confrontations with the wily criminal who always manages to escape their elaborate network of traps for him, which end on suspenseful cliffhangers. Then there's this weird, I mean, it's funny because this is like, obviously, this is like highly disorganized and could never be a movie, but I find this all pretty funny. Are you guys enjoying it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we got to a Millionaire's Society Halloween party. Everyone's in costume, there's lots of Catwomen, Jokers and Batman amongst the partygoers. Huh. The lights go out and when they come up, someone has stolen everybody's jewelry and a priceless Rembrandt. The hostess says, Catwoman must have pulled this heist, but which one is the real Catwoman? You there in the party, Batmans, if any of you are the real Batman, please help <laughs> me. One steps forward. It's like, and the, the real, real man. Slim Shady. But then Bruce stand. Wayne shows up at the party. He was late and he's not wearing a costume. <gasps> Who is this guy? This ends like in the old quote unquote, like in the old movie series, we shall end the sequence on a cliffhanger. This now this is my note, Pat's note. We never returned this scenario.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a <think>? real cliffhanger. <laughs> and,
4: and just just I just, I, just I, I, would, I would like to introduce this part because is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Gotham City is the new site of the Olympics. And Joker has hatched a plan to steal the greatest Russian athlete. And that's the plan for the movie. Go Pat.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's his way of, est- of terrorizing the entire establishment of Gotham City. He's he's going to demand $100 million or he'll kill Ivan. But no, he has not kidnapped him yet. We see Joker recruit Catwoman. He's like, I'll split the hundred mil with you. And Catwoman's like, okay. So we're at the Olympics. The Olympics haven't started yet. Ivan is still training. He gets invited out to coffee by the American diplomat, Randolph Williamson. They totally hit it off. Then Williamson's like, hey, you want to meet the most beautiful woman in the world for a little diversion and relaxation? Wink, wink. Although the Russian is a trained athlete, he is also a man with a strong libido. <gasps> Sexual appetite has been whetted Bob by James these swab innuendos of the diplomats. <laughs> What did you say, Josh?
1: It's, Bob Kane's just real horny yeah, sitting yeah. in his mansion. <laughs> so he
2: they go to this penthouse where Catwoman comes out in her skin-tight, black sequined outfit, plus her cat mask. <laughs> and I was like, what's up with the mask? And she's like, oh, it's just to make things extra sexy, basically. Uh, so the diplomat leaves while Catwoman dances sexually with him and offers him a drink, but he doesn't drink alcohol because he's in training. So she gets him a ginger ale and drops (laughs) some drugs into it from her pinky ring. Hmm. He passes out and it turns out the diplomat, you're never going to guess who he was.
1: Guess who it is. Is it it the Joker? It was the Joker in
2: disguise. (laughs) (laughs) So he announces his 100 million dollar ransom. It's an international incident. The Russians are super pissed. They threaten grave consequences for the U.S., which seems like maybe there's going to be a war over this, but all throughout the rest of the treatment, the grave consequences is that the Soviets might back out of the Olympics and the (laughs) Olympics will be ruined. That's really all the consequences we're talking about. So, uh, once again, hand wavy, here we go. This is the movie Batman is called in to try to ferret out the Joker and force him to release his captor before time runs out for everyone. Before for everyone concerned, Batman does succeed in baiting the Joker from his hideout and it engages in a series of exciting cliffhanger confrontations, wild rooftop chases, daredevil automobile chases, a thrilling helicopter chase, a motorboat chase, and an underwater battle. But somehow, the elusive Joker always manages at the last moment to elude Batman's traps. Okay, and this, this right
4: here, this is why. So many people think they can write screenplays. This sort of situation right here with this, like all these sequences. Just imagine how many sequences. Just you guys do your job. I did my job. There's sequences, these trains,
1: trains, automobiles. (laughs) Yeah. High stakes checkers game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Batman goes to Catwoman unspecified what, what the deal is here, but he's like, you got to help me catch the Joker because he doesn't realize she's part of the scheme. She's torn between her desire for the $50 million and her romantic soft spot for Batman. But also if she you know turned on the Joker, she'd be a national hero. Maybe she could be pardoned for all her many previous crimes, et cetera. So she invites herself over to Wayne Manor as Selina Kyle. She already suspects that Batman might be Bruce Wayne. And Batman already suspects that Selina Kyle might be Catwoman. Uh, They engage in a verbal game of cat and mouse. They dance closely while Selina uses her feminine wiles on Bruce to try to seduce him. They fall back on the couch in a passionate embrace. Bruce invites Selina to stay the night, but she chooses to sleep in one of the elegant guest rooms. Uh... Which seems like if Batman Batman's a, has a healthy libido like any other person, for like Barbara <laughs> Carrera. Anyway, Selena wakes up in the middle of the night, <laughs> wanders the mansion, and there's a bust of Bruce Wayne. And she touches the bust, which is actually the secret control causing the bookshelves to open, revealing the secret <gasps> passage to the Batcave. Selena's like, Holy shit, Bruce Wayne is Batman. She walks down. And then finds Batman Bruce is standing right behind her. And that we should read this next scene. Ooh, who, who wants to be Batman and who wants to be me, Catwoman? I like playing this uh,
1: version of Batman. Who wants to
2: be Catwoman?
1: Ed, be Catwoman.
4: Oh, oh god. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a mid-Atlantic accent for All this. Right. I'm gonna yeah, attempt yeah. One.
1: Okay. Bruce, you startled me. Selena, you naughty girl, you should be sleeping instead of snooping in forbidden places.
4: I'm sorry, Bruce, but I inadvertently discovered your secret. You're really the Batman.
1: Well, now that the cat, or shall I say, bat, is let out of the bag, I suppose you'll have finally unmasked me, drolly lighting his pipe. (laughs) Selina, my darling, now that you've discovered my true identity, I can only hope that you can keep a secret. You have my word, Batman. Er,
4: Bruce. (laughs)
1: I hope so, Selina, because my life as a crime fighter depends on it. And if any one of my arch enemies find out who I really am, like the Joker, the Penguin, or Catwoman, (laughs) then my career as a crusader for justice is over. I understand, Bruce. You may have my word of
4: honor that my lips are sealed.
1: Tell me, Selina, now that you know my secret identity as Batman, (laughs) can I ask you a question? Sure, Bruce. Anything. Anything you say, then verify the truth to me. I strongly suspect you are really Catwoman, right? Selina
2: remains silent, smiling slyly.
4: I am sorry, Bruce, but that question must remain unanswered. You see, a woman is much more provocative if she remains a mystery to a man.
1: I suppose you're right, Selina. Touché.
2: Bruce takes a shining gold medallion into his hands, which is hanging from a gold chain around his neck. He starts dangling the glowing object before Selena's eyes as she stares spellbound at its brilliance.
1: By the way, Selena, have you seen this unusual medallion that Alfred brought me from his trip to Egypt?
4: Uh, Bruce, you're biting this from the shadow. Do you know how you're biting the so hard right now? No, OK, that's just my, my OK. She actually says, no, Bruce. It is, truly, it is truly beautiful. The engraving is hand-carved into the head of the pharaoh.
1: Very observant, Selena. It's supposed to have mystical
2: powers. Bruce keeps whirling the shining medallion before Selena's eyes, who stares hypnotically into the dazzling, blinding light emanating from its brilliant glare until she becomes transfixed into a hypnotic state.
1: My God, why, why do they keep saying each other's names? Drives me crazy. That's the Bob Kane style, baby. <laughs> he,
2: he created the Batman. Everything you love about Batman came solely only from him. Uh, so then Batman, yeah, he picks her up and carries her up to the same room with the bust in it. And then like hypnotizes her so she won't remember he's Batman. Wakes her up. He's like, what are you doing in here? And she's like, oh, I'm so confused. Hey, what's up with this bust of Bruce Wayne? And tries to touch it again. <laughs> that And he stops her and is like, go to bed. You dumb bitch. No, he doesn't <laughs> use those words. But basically, so now that whole thing happened. The Olympics are in danger. Robin has returned home from college, so now he's just kind of inexplicably in Act Three here. Hey guys, what I miss? That yeah, yeah, Batman and Robin are, are
4: called down. Uh, just real quick, these are these are these are um, always trying to ham fist Robin into the third mm, act. So yeah. Um.
2: So they go down to the police HQ because they've been called down by the bat signal. And Catwoman has left a message for them to meet her. So they go meet Catwoman. And she's like, hey, Joker is keeping the Russian athlete in the Statue of Liberty, which is currently closed due to restoration. If you remember, you guys remember the 80s? That that was a thing. Remo Williams. Like in Remo Williams. (laughs) Williams. So they go to Liberty Island. Joker's up at the top and he's got a sniper rifle and shoots at them they get into the statue and climb the stairs this is batman catwoman and robin are like all on this mission although catwoman literally does nothing she does not get a hero moment throughout but like batman runs up the stairs joker kicks him over the railing and he starts to fall down like i really don't know what the inside of the statue of Louis looks like but robin catches him then batman and joker wind up on top the torch they're which actually, I mean, anytime you can have guys like fighting on, a, uh, on top of a national monument, that was fun. I would love to see this scene in the movie, actually. Fight mm-hmm. atop the torch. Joker, as per usual, wins the fight, kicks Batman over the side. Batman's barely holding on while Joker tries to stomp his hands. But then Robin clobbers Joker from behind, helps Batman up, more fighting. Then Joker slips, mm-hmm. finds himself dangling and reversing the exact situation. And Batman says, I'll save you on one condition, Joker. Joker's like, anything, Batman, anything. Tell me where you've hidden Ivan Stanovich this instant, or I'll let you fall. I've got him tied up in the, bas- the basement of the statue, Batman. So Joker falls, but Batman catches him. Robin cuffs him, and he glares at Catwoman Catwoman, you double crosser. I knew instinctively I should never have trusted a woman as devious as you. Uh, well, so they well, Joker. out of the basement, they say uh, the guy
4: uh, It's so stupid Well, well, Joker, all I could say is that It takes one to know one mm. And you are merely getting your just desserts
2: Yeah, that's what Catwoman says <laughs> <laughs> So then Oh yeah, then we go through a series of flash cuts We view most Of the Olympic events Swimming, diving, track Decathlon, high jump Broad jump, all other Olympic events associated with the Olympics And then for our denouement, we should read this one final scene again. So this one, let's say, um, yeah, wait. So yeah, Josh, you be Bruce. (laughs) Ed, which character do you prefer? You wanna be Alfred, Dick, or Selena? Uh, I'll be be Dick, I guess. (laughs) All right. And uh, Steve, why don't you be Alfred and I'll be Selena? So they're all watching the Olympics on TV at at Wayne Manor.
4: Uh, Well, Bruce. Ivan Stanovich conducted himself admirably. He won three silver medals in track, swimming, broad jump, and one goal for pole vaulting.
1: Yes, Dick, but not quite good enough because Jim Darrow of the U.S. team won three gold medals and one silver for the same
3: events. Master Bruce, I'll bet my next year's salary that the Russian will blame the strain of the kidnapping. And layoff of training on his failure to be the best athlete in this year's event. Yes, Alfred, I can't say I would blame them. Suppose our top
1: athlete ran into the same extenuating circumstances if the Olympics were held in Russia.
2: And if it weren't for Batman and Robin's heroics in capturing the Joker, then there would not have been any Olympics this year. That was Catwoman, by the way.
1: <laughs> That's right, Selina. <laughs> Again, these names. Sing everybody's <laughs> names. That's right, Selina. And if it weren't for the courage of Catwoman turning informant for Batman, the end result would not have turned out favor- favorably for anyone concerned. She really deserves the real credit. Maybe Catwoman will now mend
4: her wicked ways from a life of crime and join forces with Batman and the police departments of
1: Gotham City. That would be an excellent idea, don't you agree, Selina? Well, Batman, I suppose that depends entirely on the conscience of whim
2: of what I imagine to be an extremely complicated and erratic woman. I just realized she's fucking calls him Batman instead of Bruce. <laughs> I assumed that was an error. And I think I think it was Bob's error, not mine. I transcribed no, yeah. this, but I, Oh no, yeah, you're right. It, it's in the thing. It's in the document. <laughs> Batman. The camera pulls back. Rade height. Flies brain. away and dollies up into the sky, <laughs> even though, again, we are in their living room. Um, so I don't know how we do that. Wow. <laughs> wow.
1: I mean, the well, whole I mean, creator this one, I Batman, feel like Adam I'm West kidding. should have
2: played Batman in this version. No, like I mean, delivering all that
1: of, dialogue. Everything about his, it's, again, what, begin everyone begins this with like, this is the serious Batman. This isn't the silly Batman, but the whole Olympics plot and like drugging the Russian dude, that that would have been a great Adam West episode mm-hmm. of batman
3: tv series it's madness
2: and like somebody learning batman's identity i mean i think there was a 60s episode where maybe egghead or possibly king tut discovered batman's secret identity they're like in the cave and he's like i knew it i knew you're batman and robin's like oh no he knows our secret identity we should kill him he probably doesn't say that but i feel like that's the you know we gotta do something batman's like no robin it's fine. He's like, ha ha, I've
0: got you now, Batman! Ha ha
2: ha ha And he's so excited and yelling so loud about how he's defeated Batman that he causes the sound causes a rock to come fall from the top of the cave and bonk him on the head and get him amnesia. And Batman's like, I knew that would happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it seems very Bob Kane, given the things that we've now all learned about Bob Kane uh, in more recent years. Um, but that He decided to interject himself unasked into the phase where clearly the movie was now working fine. They'd hired Sam Hamm and he wrote some drafts then they made the 1989 Batman. But he's like, I must interject and help them along Mm -hmm. with my brilliant creator of Batman ideas.
4: Well, I mean, and one thing I would say is like being a, like a, a a lot of me and Pat, at least, are, are like, you know, longtime comics heads. And I uh, I do draw, you know, and I have my own original characters that one day want to ham fist in the screenplay. Because that's all yeah. comics are good for now, baby. Screw the actual art form. Fuck it. It's all just IP for movies. Fuck that inferior art form, even though it dominates everything. Yeah. Double little fingers. So so, you know, that that being the case, though, you can imagine I know Bob Kane didn't invent all this stuff out of whole cloth. Him and Bill Finger worked very closely and Bill Finger and Dick Sprang and people like that provided Robinson, so much. Et cetera, but yeah. Yeah. yeah Jer- Jerry Robinson, I think. Jerry yeah. Robinson, yeah. And all that type of shit. But like when you just sit your ass down and you draw comics, it is the most singularly fulfilling thing you will ever feel in your life. You're writing it, you're drawing it, you're coloring it, you're lettering it sometimes, uh, you know, uh, and it's just, You're never going to pry it from his hands in that way. Like just because a big corporate entity has it now and frankly, better minds are on it. How could you ever having made it or at least stolen it from your friend? uh, How could could you, you know what I mean? How could you relinquish? It's so much of his identity, like his fucking tombstone has a drawing of Batman on it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's part of his identity so much that I kind of feel for this double horny man, you know what I mean? That it's like this thing that came out of his blood. You know what I mean? And now they're just like, well, I'm smarter and better than you, even if it's right. That's hard yeah. to believe. That
2: oh, I get, well, I get it. From he his wrapped life. up so much of his identity. Like I feel like that's you know he would go down to the drugstore and be like, "I have one aspirin, please." I'm the creator of Batman, by the way. Like mm-hmm. everything about yeah. him is like built off of like I am the creator of Batman. Like, I'm
1: just imagining being Sam Ham, I get and I don't even know if he actually. Had to talk to him. I'm just envisioning the producer calling me, Sam Hamm, and being like, "Hey, are you cool? Like having a series of long phone calls with Bob Kane, where he's telling you ideas you aren't gonna want to do? Just being like,
2: "Ah." I mean, I feel like we've sort of had (laughs) meetings like that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's why I like yeah. Let's have lunch. You smile and nod while they tell you stuff and you're like, ah, oh, great ideas, dude. Yeah, we'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And then and then you and then you duck their phone calls until they die.
4: <laughs> just imagine like talking to the creator of Doc Savage, like now. And he's just yeah. like 5,000 and he's My hanging on the life. You're yeah, still beyond
3: <laughs> dude, you beyond are Doc God. Savage.
1: <laughs>
4: dude, yeah, beyond oh. De- in direct defiance of God's wishes, this guy is still alive, and he's. I mean, if you, I created
2: no. Doc Savage, I would definitely brag about that shit. I'd be like, you know, Superman was a ripoff of Doc Savage, Batman's a ripoff of you know every character you've ever heard of. They're all ripoffs of Doc Savage. I created them, by the way. But Just
4: imagine being in many meetings, and your main note is he doesn't have a widow's peak. Stop doing this. His skin is not golden, and he doesn't have a widow's peak. You guys are fucking up my character. I know the Rock wants to play him, but he's gonna have to put the fucking widow's peak on before I sign off, baby. It's like, uh, you don't even have the rights anymore, old man. I don't know how you he's got. He's the man year.
2: of bronze, uh, not the, you know, he's yeah, uh, the bronze skin. Know, what did I say? Silver. Yeah, yeah, I think gold, golden oh, skin yeah. or something. He's, 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 yeah, he's he's the man of bronze.
1: All right, so Steve. <laughs> uh, Does anything else of note happen before this really gets into the movie that actually came out?
3: 89. Yeah. um, Yeah. Just really quick. I'll go through it. Yeah. Sam Hamm comes on and he got the deal because he had the same mentor at Warner Brothers as Tim Burton did. And that's how they both connected. Do you know who the mentor was? Her name was uh, Bonnie Lee. Because Sam Hamm, like after a script called Never Cry, after he wrote a movie, I think he, he worked on a script, he worked on a movie called Never Cry Wolf. And then he, then a spec script he had gotten to his crazy Bidden war. And then he got set up at Warner Brothers and was working with Bonnie Lee and then, and she happened to be Burton's mentor. And while he was in her office, he stumbled across the Mankiewicz draft, the Batman and was, and started pushing hard on it until eventually Burton called him up and was like, Hey, you want to, you know, work on this with me. And so that's when they started. And And then on, in October 20th, 1986, Ham finished his first draft. And this draft again has uh, Robin in it. And what's interesting too, is that I think, um, Jack Nicholson was always the studio's top choice. He was always somewhat attached, but I think he might have been leading them along trying to get a big payday because even John Peters on the set of Witches of Eastwick was like, hey, you got to be Joker. But in this draft, they have uh, Jack Napier as 32 and they have him described as his features are delicate, almost feminine. And um, because more of a
2: Jared Leto Joker, then,
3: huh? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah. And Ham would bring up in um, Cine Fantastique that they were thinking, well, William Dafoe looks like the Joker, you know? Yeah. And so they were kind of I think at that they were kind of fooling around, maybe writing it towards him. And uh, he also said in that same article, David Bowie would be neat also Mm -hmm. because he's very funny and James Wood would be good and wouldn't need any makeup. That's what he said in that. article. like (laughs) in Dark Knight Returns,
2: I feel like David Bowie played the Joker in Dark Knight Returns, right? I mean, not in the movie, but in the comic, like Frank Miller was like, what if he was just David Bowie? Boom. That's how I'm going to draw him.
3: (laughs) Yeah. and there, there is some differences in the first draft. Just really quick. Um, the What's his nuts? Robert Wall from the, the guy that everyone seems to hate from the Hollywood Knights who played the... Uh, Arliss. Knox. Yeah, Arliss. <laughs> yeah, Knox. He, he was,
2: he's our POV character at the beginning of Batman 89 before kind of dropping out of the picture in the second half.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great story. Daniel Waters says where in his opening of one of his early drafts of Batman uh, Returns, he he crucifies him on the bat symbol, on the on the, <laughs> on, the on the yeah, I think it was it's, what do you call that the bat uh, the bat, bat signal, signal yeah, yeah, bat signal, yeah. But that got cut out. But anyway, um, he he's different in the first draft. Like he and it's almost like a love triangle between. Vicky Vale, him and Bruce. And it gets to a point where he figures out who Bruce Wayne is, how Bruce Wayne is Batman. And he goes to Wayne, Man- Wayne Manor and, and tries to blackmail him. And he's pretty much saying he'll make, he'll write a column all about this. And all you have to do is stop seeing Vicky, you know? And so huh. that leads to the scene where uh, Bruce Wayne goes to see Vicky Vale at her apartment, the let's go nuts scene, you know? But what's, what's interesting is that the the Joker just sends Vicky Vale like a box full of wax ears and makes like a Van Gogh reference. And then he doesn't even, and then Bruce Wayne tells Vicky to hide in another apartment. And it starts this crazy chase scene where um, Bruce Wayne is like jumping rooftop to rooftop, chasing the Joker's van. And eventually uh, he knocks a a policeman off of his horse and he puts like a nylon stocking over his head and starts chasing the Joker down the street. And then Alfred pulls up in a VW bug and starts throwing Bruce his, uh, co- his out, his uh, costume. Why and then would Al- Alfred be driving a VW? That's I, I very strange. Kn- I don't know. I mean, that was the questions
2: <laughs> trademark car in like the 80s. The question that he had like a look like a crappy old beetle, but was really a super souped up hot rod. I always thought that was cool. as hell. I think
4: it's their version of trying to be like low key, like a lot of these movies, even present day movies like Batman will punch a guy who's like conscious, but sort of groaning on the ground, walk two inches away and go, Alfred. What's going on? You know, yeah. it, it it has survived all the way into the Zack Snyder stuff, even up into recent stuff. It's just like, do you get two feet away from a not unconscious criminal and start talking to Alfred? It's in a lot of these drafts, so I guess they're trying to do some. Subterfuge, you know, he didn't roll up in a Rolls Royce to start throwing up a bunch of bad. But
3: <laughs> yeah. he put it on while he was riding a horse, Steve. That's yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's um, Bruce. That's far- fun. I <laughs> want to see the sequence. <laughs> Bruce is on horseback charging past uh, an elegant, elegant brownstones. Uh, a yellow VW bug rips up the street and we can't we can't see the driver. But we do see on the seat besides him a v- oh, I'm not going to go through it all- anyway. Um, Alfred heaves out a brown laundry bundle neatly tied in a string. Bruce snatches it out of the air and gives Alfred a quick salute and the bug is gone. And the Joker's van is going down the street. Uh, oh yeah. Then it gets stalled in some heavy traffic. And then, um, let's see. And then Batman, then it just cuts to Batman in full costume glory galloping on, on the, in the street on horseback. And then, and then all of a sudden, um, the Joker, they, they start driving through Gotham Park and that's where the, uh, Robin and his Dick Grayson and his family are doing some type of acrobatic thing on the, in the park. And the Joker pretty much crashes his, uh, hold on, let me find it over here.
1: The like Joker's van bursts,
3: <laughs> bursts out of the park and speeds up and, um, man, that moment, uh. He pretty much, the, yeah, the Graysons are doing their ac- acrobatic routine and the Joker comes across a fireworks truck and throws a flare in it. And that's what causes the Graysons to fall and die, except for Robin. And and that's where, and what's funny is then, this is not the third act, you know? Again, how Robin is always introduced in the third act. So weird. Yeah, and what's crazy is that, Oh, I'll, I'll just go through it in a second. Yeah, and so that's where Robin is introduced. And then in the, the very, the final act with the, the balloons and the parade going down the street and he's gassing the people, Knox and Vicky Vale are like on the street and Knox notices a costume shop and he breaks the window and steals a Batman costume off a mannequin. And he drapes it over a spotlight and he shines a spotlight onto the clown that's gassing the crowd. And so Batman in the, in the Batwing totally un- understands what to do. And he flies to the, uh, to the float and blows it up with his machine guns. And then all of a sudden the Joker's henchmen, shoot the spotlight and they end up shooting Knox and he ends up dying. So he starts off as this character that you know is gonna blackmail Batman, but he ends up in the third yeah, act he ends up dying helping
2: Batman, redeeming himself. Yeah. I yeah. Don't
3: that, really. yeah. And then the Joker enters into a float and then he bursts out of the float in a rose-colored tank and then this is pretty funny the, the, the joker fires a heat seeking missile at the batwing and it blows a hole into a skyscraper missing the batwing and then the tank just unloads like missiles and machine gun fire and brings down the batwing it crashes onto the street and then the joker's goons go to kill batman go to shoot him but all you, and then you hear off screen is, yo. And then when they turn around, it's Robin and he beats up the goons. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I swear to God, just yo. And then Robin picks up a gun and he goes, runs off to, to kill Joker for killing his family. Batman is hurt. And then um Batman, I mean, Robin enters the cathedral at the ending and starts shooting at the Joker. And the Joker like takes cover and fires back. And then all of a sudden, Robin just drops the gun and looks down and there's a tiny black ninja wheel stuck in his leg and that makes him go unconscious and batman's standing behind him a ninja like a ninja star
1: yeah so i guess (laughs) batman in
3: this draft has like ninja stars that can knock you unconscious oh batman hit him with it yeah yeah, seems so more Batman, like
2: he should have been like, Don't do it, Robin. If you kill him, you're no better than he is. Isn't that how Batman usually plays this moment? No,
3: he just yeah, ninja stars, he, <laughs> throws a ninja star at him. And then Batman faces off with the Joker on top of the cathedral. And um, the Joker pulls out a straight uh razor and holds it to Batman's throat. And then Batman pulls out this ticking bomb. He's gonna blow him and the Joker up together. The Joker drops the razor, and then the helicopter is coming to rescue the Joker, and um and right when the Joker grabs like the ladder, the Batman uses that device that causes a swarm of vats to come out. And then that freaks Joker out. He lets go and falls off the ladder and falls onto the street. And then Batman takes the, the ticking time bomb and throws it at the helicopter and attaches to the ladder and it blows up the chopper. And then Joker is on the sidewalk dying, watching Batman the chopper explode. just
2: kills all those people. Like, why did he bother <laughs> <Yeah>. stopping Robin? <laughs> Cause I want yeah. to
0: do it. <laughs> That's <laughs> Just Batman different. being like, I'm going to suicide
3: bomb. You Joker. That feels like a little,
2: yeah, you know, he's like, holding up. Right that,
3: that throws at <laughs> the, the helicopter. Exactly. All right. And then, and then the very ending is um, the very ending of the movie. The last shot in the movie is Batman and Robin on roof on the rooftop and the bat signals glaring in the sky. And then Sam Hamm would go on to say is that the studio insisted on having Robin in the movie and, Tim Burton and him couldn't figure out how to squeeze him in. And then they created that whole chase sequence where they chased the Joker into the park and and then the Joker would end up killing Robin's family.
2: And then that was how they shoehorned Robin in. But yeah, then like Robin is just Robin basically right away with like kind of no interim steps. Right.
4: Oh, And just, just really quickly also the part with the tank. I just think Sam Hamm was like a superhero to the studio when he came in. He was like, we don't need a tank. We could just have Joker pull a giant gun out of a his gun pants with a and really long barrel. <laughs> you know, it's just, and they were just like, Oh my God, Sam Ham, you are the best guy. I ever. mean, the funny this thing is- about
2: the 89 Batman in general is that it like barely has a story and like nothing makes any sense. And it doesn't matter because it's, it's pulling you from moment to moment. And like, it's so yeah, theatrical it's all kind and fun. of
1: works and mm-hmm.
3: it just works. It just mm-hmm. works. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then really quick uh, blow through to rest of this. Um, Tim Burton starts filming Beetlejuice in March, 1987. And um, they're still trying to make the shadow with Ben Cross and Superman four comes out and it's a disaster, $15 million. It grosses altogether to keep on the Superman thing. And then September, 1982, uh, September 14th, 1987, Sam Ham Sam Ham puts his second draft this time, that whole sequence: the Joker ties Bruce up in the apartment, it escapes with Vicky, and then Bruce escapes, does the same thing again, the VW bug, and then this time, um, the Joker lights up a fireworks lights up the fireworks truck, but the, it engulfs the scaffolding that uh, Graysons are on, which kind of makes it even more of a brutal death for the Graysons family because they kind of like burnt it. You know, the platform is burning and, they, and it caves in and the mom and dad die. I
2: mean, that's better uh, than this. They were like startled that it just kind of fireworks. feels like feels like a final destination <laughs> death. It oh, yeah, yeah. feels like they weren't really that good of acrobats. Like it has to be more overt rather than just like a loud noise caused them to accidentally die. Uh, you
4: know it'd be really awesome if Batman
2: was having a fight with
4: the Joker in the park, and Joker's getting the best of him. So he activated those bats, and the bats killed Robin's <laughs> parents. There
3: you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, 1988, March 1988, there's a white writer's strike begins, and Sam Hand turned in his final script, and that was his further involvement. And then, March 1988, the Kill and Joke came out, that comic. And then March 30th, 1988, Beetlejuice came out and it earned like $8 million opening weekend and altogether grossed $73 million. And so officially they greenlit Tim Burton to direct Batman from that moment on. And Tim Burton would say, after Pee Wee, they asked me if I was interested in directing Batman, but they didn't give me the okay until after the first weekend grosses of Beetlejuice came in. They did not want, me to, gi- they did not want to give me that movie unless Beetlejuice was going to be okay. So, uh, yeah, then it's officially announced Tim Burton's making Batman and Memorial Day release 1989 and then casting starts. And then Bruce Wayne. uh, First, they went after Ray Liotta. I don't know if it was for I don't know if Ray Liotta was first. There's all kinds of there's so many names attached, but I couldn't I couldn't find proof of any of them. And I didn't want to go through them all because just some of them just really sounded BS, you know, but Ray Liotta would go on to say that Tim Burton wanted to meet meet with him and Tim Burton didn't even meet with him. I mean, Tim Burton, Ray Liotta, Tim Burton wanted to meet with Ray Liotta. And he said, I think Tim Burton is great, a great director. And I always regretted not going and meeting him just to talk. At the time, movies about superheroes from comic books were unheard of, you know. Can you imagine how awesome a two-face Ray Liotta would have been? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, especially something wild, man. He's crazy in that movie I, I I'm you know he he's great in that film, but it would I mean, been interesting, funny. yeah, Burton had just worked with Alec Baldwin. Do you know if Baldwin was ever up for Batman? I, I don't know you that's a I have always heard that rumor, but I couldn't find any concrete proof, but that's uh, that's another name that's thrown around in the I mean, it just pull. would have
2: made so much sense. Alec mm-hmm. Baldwin like looks like a classic mm-hmm. comic book hero, you know.
4: Oh, you know who I'd like? Uh, Tom Selleck with mustache. As, well as Bruce <laughs> Wayne and Batman. I'll
3: have to find in a second. All right. After this, I'll have to find out. I'll have to go through that crazy list of it's like on Wikipedia. If you look up Bruce Wayne, Batman movie. So we can
1: post like, it on Twitter yeah, and stuff, too. Yeah.
3: yeah so and then. This is weird, like in a 1990 British newspaper, uh, Bruce Payne, the, the bad guy from Passenger 57, uh, he's in that awesome Mario Van Peebles movie, Full Eclipse, and then Highlander Endgame. He's the villain in that movie. Wasn't he also like,
1: didn't he replace Julian Sands in one of the Warlocks? Yes, or that's something? him.
3: According to him, like uh, Warner Brothers were impressed by his work and they were so impressed by his name Bruce Wayne, Bruce Payne, that they they thought about him as a shortlist to be Bruce Wayne. But who knows how true yeah, that is? But. I know. That was according to this uh, newspaper. According I to know. him. Yeah, according yeah. to him. <laughs> and also Tim Burton approach, approached Pierce Brosnan and then Pierce Brosnan mm. uh, told Tim Burton, any guy who wears un- underpants on the outside of his trousers cannot be taken seriously, you know? And that he told to Details Magazine. And then for Robin, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was offered it. He said, I just finished Stand By Me and Young Guns what? about that. And, that would uh, a really weird, scary Robin. <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, I got a call which asked me if I'd be interested in playing Robin. And I was like, Robin with tights? No, he said. And then he said he didn't realize they were going to make the coolest movie ever. But at the end of the day you know, he was only 19 at the time. And, um, but, you know, he wasn't in the movie anyway. And then this is weird. Like on one article says Ricky Addison Reed was cast and he was, has one credit, which is Return to Salem's lot. And that was according to like screen rant, but I have not found that information anywhere else for Robin, which is strange. All right. And then the Joker, I have a feeling that Jack Nicholson was just play was stringing, Warner Brothers along, because we're going to find out at the time he had like a freaking massive payday for it. I mean, but- I think that was
1: like, that was one of the first uh, like back big back-end deals. I mean, even as a kid, yeah. I remember that kind of learning that even mm-hmm. pre-internet or, you know, even reading movie magazines that just became so well-known. Indeed, I, for, a, for a while he was in the Guinness Book of World Records as like the biggest actor movie payday yeah, that was such a landmark thing at the time.
3: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then John Lithgow, uh, it, he was on Conan O'Brien, um, and he said um, he was offered the role and Tim Burton came to him and he told Tim Burton, who's going to want to see a Batman movie? And totally turned it down. And then Brad Dorff to- said um, at Comic-Con that Tim Burton saw him on a plane and wanted to cast him. But when tim burton told the studio they were like the guy from the chucky movies no that's according to brad dorff and then one one place said that he wanted tim burton wanted john glover from
1: the chucky
3: yeah nominated
1: for an oscar for (laughs) one flew over the cuckoo's nest you'd think the studio would (laughs) At least still remember that anyway
3: <laughs> yeah then uh burton also thought john glover who would eventually be in batman and robin if people don't know he was in gremlins 2 as the trump character you know he also wanted him uh i Tim mean Co- he was
2: uh, lex Luthor's
1: dad on smallville,
3: smallville. I yeah mean, i
1: he's guess i luther yeah
3: yeah uh the mel gibson movie payback um, yeah, he also played Riddler on the Batman animated si- series. Hmm. Uh, Tim Curry's name is passed around a lot, too. But um, but here's the crazy thing. And then I guess Tim Burton also offered it to Robin Williams, who did express interest. But then, you know, the big news came out that, you um, um, Jack Nicholson was going to make $5 million for several weeks of, you know, for several weeks to play the Joker. And I bet that was the thing. They wanted Nicholson, but he was holding out. I think like, even it says like Peter Gruber took Burton and Nicholson horseback riding, just tried to get them together. And yeah. And then they finally got Jack Nicholson. Cause it goes back to the first episode with uh, Superman, how like Marlon Brando once, Once he was on the movie and then Gene Hackman, it became like, oh, this is not just a superhero movie. It's a big movie. So they really wanted to get Jack Nicholson. So I bet, you know, he was holding off when they were going through all the, you know. Yeah, everybody else
2: was their second choice if they couldn't make a deal with Jack.
3: Yeah, because they, you know, as Ed was saying, and it just seemed like he was always going to be it. But it seemed like he was smart, you know, to get this Massive pay. Now hearing about, oh, fi- uh, $5 million. But 1989, this was like huge And that news. Had the back
1: end, though.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't have all that information. And uh yeah, and then like August 1988, the Beetlejuice co-writer came in to start messing around with the, with the draft because um they just wanted to touch it up. Um, and then September 1988... It started the uh, fans comic book fans started getting angry at Michael Keaton was going to be Batman because they mm-hmm. thought it was going to be funny. And then it even mm. made it into like a Wall Street uh, Journal article that fans were like pissed, like what's going on? You know, it, it was like the first like fan outrage before Twitter and all that <laughs> It actually made like newspapers and it was like huge. That's like, and-
1: that's lets you know the level of real anger. It's easy to be angry <laughs> on Twitter. To Make the world know pre social media or the internet, like that means they were writing letters and mailing <laughs> them places, making phone
3: calls. Yeah, Just
4: imagine angrily licking a stamp,
3: yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the fifth draft was done in 1988, October 1988, by Warren Saccharin, Saccharin, Sa- Scarin, yeah, the, Scarin, <laughs> the writer of Beetlejuice. Sorry. And then that's when uh, Robin is out because the the budget at this time was going crazy. And they were like, we, I guess there's one thing we can cut and I guess we can cut Robin out of the script. And so they finally cut Robin out. But what's crazy is I think this draft still has the horseback chase and it just doesn't have Robin at the end of it because uh, something, you know, I guess for my novelization documentary, if you read the novelization of Batman, the horseback chase is still in the novelization.
2: Yeah, which means it was one of the last things yeah, they cut from the script. Yeah. I mean, it is funny if they're trying to
3: shoe make you shoehorn something into
2: the movie. That that's the way to get out of it is you put it in, and then when you're like your budget's too high, you're like, "Hey, how well, do we? Let's yeah. get rid of that thing I never <laughs> wanted in here in the first place."
3: That's a, a lesson to all of us. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then there was December 1988 reports that, you know, the cost of the movie is now over $40 million. And, you know, is the movie in trouble? That's what, like, the Gazette is saying. And, uh, yeah, because when this shit came out, we all knew, like, this isn't, you know, we all knew it was, like, a super expensive Mm -hmm. movie, like, one of the most expensive movies. And the Gazette also said that uh, John Peters was uh, fooling around with Basinger on set and, you know, Tim Burton (laughs) was having was Having trouble with punching the, the PAs, and- yeah. <laughs> wrestling them, yeah, he was wrestling, wrestling the PAs. them. <laughs> and then the, the writer of Baron Munchausen came on and he started reworking the Joker because now they officially had uh Jack Nicholson and he started writing all the rewriting a lot of the Joker's uh character. And then, February 1989, uh, the shooting wraps. For the movie, and then May 1989, the music video for "Bat Dance" premieres yeah. on MTV and is <laughs> huge. Oh no, I'm sorry, they shoot the video for Bat Dance. I go way too far with research. I'm trying to blow over all of this. <laughs> June 19, June 13th, 1989, the Batdance Dance video premieres. And for people I don't know, man, that, that video was it was on MTV all the time. It showed all the scenes from the movie. It was getting everyone hyped for the movie. Like that was like a it's, big
1: it felt totally normal to me at the time. Now when you like go just even thinking about that and watching the video uh, that prints in his involvement with bat. It's just weird. It's a strange. That, that was like a big part of the hype. Yeah, it's like
3: yeah. music by Prince. I
1: yeah,
2: mean, it,
3: it is weird looking back on it. And the guy who directed Purple Rain directed that music video, too. Hmm. And uh yeah, because the same thing too, Ghostbusters 2 was coming out, and that Bobby Brown song was all over MTV. And you see all the m- back in the day, these music videos for the movies would play all the movie scenes, and it was such a great promotion for the movie because mm-hmm. you're seeing all the sequences yeah. from the movie. And back you know? then
2: MTV actually played music videos.
3: Yeah. Like Caddyshack 2, remember that music video? You kept seeing scenes from that Caddyshack. Ugh. Anyway. Dude, I, I, I could see a, ba- a Batman. Uh, I, I wish
4: Bobby Brown had done the Batman song now. I just think that it was just just, <laughs> I guess we'll have to take control. And Batman's like jumping on top of a float and using his
3: batarang. You know what I mean? I, I think that'd be great. But alternate worlds. Yep. So here's a crazy thing about that week, about that month, uh, or that era or this time period uh indiana jones the last crusade came out and memorial day weekend and um and it grossed 37 million which and it shattered like you know the highest weekend opening and then go oh i'm sorry i screwed it up ghostbusters 2 came out and it and it had and it made uh 29.4 million which which was the highest grossing weekend. Then Indiana Jones the Last Crusade comes out, makes 37 million, beats that. And then Batman comes out and makes 40 million opening weekend. So it was this crazy week uh, week after week of these movies coming out and like destroying the box office or setting new records.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
4: straight and, up, straight up really quickly, um, River Phoenix would have made the dopest Robin of all time.
1: I can't, i've I actually the, been thinking that this huh. <laughs> i guess the stand by me when that was brought up got my brain thinking in that direction yeah. too dude he would have been
4: awesome he could do the steely i'm a grown man stuff but like still be believably a kid you know but he has an emotional
3: intelligence because he's been in the business so
4: long god that's a god that would have been awesome
3: makes sense and probably you know i don't know i guess a lot of us had this backlash against Chris O'Donnell when he was Batman, but because yeah, as we said in the previous episodes, Marlon Wayans was going to be Batman. And I think Batman returns. That's what he was going to be the Batman. in when they were fooling around with that, one. Oh, wait,
1: Robin or Batman, he was oh, Robin, be Robin. Yeah. Robin.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry. I was trying to blow through all this. Cause I know our time is like out of control <laughs> with this episode.
1: Uh, was that it? Yeah, that's Done? it. Oh sorry. my God. Yeah, you guys. that's it.
4: <laughs> um and just just my, my real quick closing thoughts on all the drafts I, I i start noticing this pattern of the joker whooping batman's ass one-on-one it just goes through all of these drafts every time batman runs up on the joker one-on-one he gets mobbed and then like joe Bat- robin has to come in and they have to double team the joker but then they always have to have this moment where robin just has to do something else and then the batman gets the coup de gras. That was happening over and over again and, <laughs> and I just think one of the mastery one of the masterful things about the Batman 89 movie is it has that general fight a bunch of guys, get up to a foppish villain, have an emotional tete-a-tete where your mask happens to come off or or slip in some other story type fashion so that you can act and emote and you know have a, a scene scene is the real conclusion not a punch' up scene and Batman 89 masterfully pulls that off. It's like masterful, the fight of the guys. And the, I have always maintained that that fight in the bell tower. I mean, Batman jumps off of the bell and the big scarred tribal guy with the sunglasses grabs Batman out of midair and throws him to the ground. And he and Batman rolls and rolls back up to his feet in one move. And I was like, how could they get that in 1989? And all the rest mm-hmm. of the Batman have been increasingly clunky fuckers. And so basically Ben Affleck, <laughs> I, it just blew my mind. That, they, that that we lost that. Yeah, I mean, Ben like,
2: Affleck is the biggest, clunkiest of them all, except they allowed him to, like, move superhumanly fast, which is exactly. like what we want out of a Batman. Exactly. It's also interesting that all these drafts had the Joker in it, right? Like, every single one. And Batman 89 gave Joker an origin, and none of these other movies ever yeah. gave Joker an origin mm. or an explanation of any kind, really.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just yeah. an interesting...
4: Well, yeah, dropping them in the vat of acid is the most interesting thing about Joker because it ties Batman to the creation of the Joker and that classic line for the movie, "Uh, you created me, you created me first. Mm -hmm. That's like some chill stuff, because when I was a kid, obviously I knew about Joe Chill and I thought it was such blasphemy that the Joker killed, uh, you know, Batman's parents. But as I get older and thinking about just pure screenwriting terms, that's just pure Jungian power, that that has confusing it with this Joe chill and all this extracurricular bullshit. (sighs) Fuck all that. Yeah.
1: For a movie adaptation, you always want to kind of simplify things and get down to really what the, the essence behind these ideas, you know, comics Mm. exist on such a longer plane of time. Uh, I agree. I mean, I I didn't know enough about Batman at that, when that movie came out to think or even know that was blasphemous. It was just like made sense. Mm
3: -hmm. What's crazy too, is that like, it's like the films going into production, like in a second, like it's about to, and that's when they get rid of Robin. Like how, like if they knew like a year earlier or two years earlier, Robin was going to be in it, you know, how much more tighter would the movie have been? <laughs> just you never so, know. So they Sometimes having
1: too much time makes things worse. Cause then mm. like executives and producers can't, they just can't resist continuing to note it, I guess for lack of anything better to be doing with their time yeah that's a good Uh,
3: point it's it's interesting how sometimes these things work out
1: well maybe because we should wrap this up maybe to wrap it up uh and let's do this quickly if everyone wants to say which of these many many uh scripts or treatments or whatever they they most would have liked to have seen exist uh pat you want to start Man,
2: uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess probably either the Mankiewicz one or I like the first Engelhart one that's like, especially all about Robin. It's like from kind of from Robin's point of view. I think that's really, like, I think that could have been improved, but I feel like that was a, like, a really cool central idea to it.
1: Ed?
4: Um, I, I have to concur and, and, and interest of brevity and interest of fact, I, <laughs> I definitely have to concur with what Pat said. It just, and I would say maybe the ending of the Englehart, the second Englehart one with mm-hmm. the entire body and structure of the first one would have to me like cemented both Batman and Robin having agency in their partnership so that we can avoid like we were talking about this whole I just I scoop up orphans I don't give them a choice I throw I throw shurikens that I and if they die they die I get another one <laughs> I got a 10 pack of orphans from Walmart you know what I mean uh, eliminating that part and having them both have agency they are the best so if Englehart's sitting at his home going who wrote the actual best Batman stuff that wasn't made <laughs> he could take that title for me
3: how about you Steve um yeah to go with these two guys, if there's gonna be two scripts, definitely the first draft of Mankiewicz with freaking Dudley Moore as the penguin on a f- chasing him down the street <laughs> with that umbrella helicopter, <laughs> you know, and that whole crazy opening of him learning his skills. I kind of dig that. And then, I, <laughs> I guess I'm the only one that would want to see that Julie Hickson because I want to see that freaking assault from Precinct 13 ice cream truck massacre, and I want to see a, <laughs> I want to see a freaking christmas tree get lit up like a freaking bottle rocket i want to see that christmas batman movie in the freaking 1986
1: yeah and i'm gonna go as i kind of alluded to in a previous episode uh a version of the the mankowitz with the penguin under the assumption that much like the movie that got made they would have lopped out the stupid third act robin stuff for like budget <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i i can i can very much imagine that movie existing and also Uh, Giving it the benefit of the doubt that some of the stupider elements would have just inevitably gotten shaved down. Uh, Although I also would have loved the (laughs) Adam West Batman meets Godzilla just to Mm. have existed. I I don't want that to be the Batman (laughs) movie we got, Mm -hmm. but how much fun would it be to have discovered that as a kid? i man. also feel like
2: they should have let bob Kane write and direct his own batman movie and given him final cut because it would be amazing I,
1: you know you know that it's going it to be just... a disaster but i'm still i i wish the seth not seth mcfarlane todd mcfarlane r-rated spawn movie he keeps threatening uh, that he was going to direct um i'm just like yeah why not let's see let's see what you got show would me you what
4: could... you got couldn't, couldn't you give Bob Kane some money and some and sort of a fake crew and just sit him off the fuck around? And then whatever he comes back with, you just throw it on the it's DVD. It's like a reality
1: show. Where you're <laughs> yeah. Tricking him into thinking he's making a movie for real. Uh, uh, all right. But yeah, yeah. A little bit of the
4: Mankiewicz. A little bit of the Mankiewicz and Tangleheart would have been mine. Yeah. Cause I love, I do love the the training stuff of the Mankiewicz. I do well, like that television set shit. I keep, oh, up. yeah. The TV
1: set, guys. <laughs> That's
2: insane. <laughs>
1: All right, I'm cutting us off because I right. can just go forever. Um, let's get everybody's uh, uh, Twitter handles here. Pat, where can people find you?
2: So I'm at uh, Pat underscore Casey, the letters Casey on Twitter. And I'm a uh, Pat Casey superstar on Instagram. But I don't post on Instagram hardly ever. That's just my cats. I post on Twitter <laughs> all the time. Join the Twitter conversation.
4: Ed? Uh, at Edgar Destroys on Twitter. Uh, and at nerd goat podcast on Twitter, it's a uh, nerd goat is the home of the greatest pod. Uh, I know it's confusing, but it's one of those things with Twitter you guys know. Uh, so uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on this and uh, I want to I want to have you guys maybe come on our our rebooted uh, rebooted movie mashup show we pick a genre oh, yeah. and, a, uh-huh. and we should pick a genre and a franchise and slap them together and see if we could do something in 30 minutes. It's a game show, not a real serious reboot. So you guys wouldn't be giving up your beautiful goods that you sell for <laughs> millions of dollars. You'd be just be fucking around with funny guys. So yeah, rebooted on YouTube and Great destroys on Twitter. Thank you guys so
1: much. Uh, and, I, awesome. Steve and I want to thank Tway Nguyen, who was uh, very crucial in sending us a lot of the material we've been talking about for this series. So thank you, sir. Invaluable asset. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, and Steve, I know you'd also like to share the Twitter handle for Shark Exploitation, which is the documentary Steve and I have been toiling on for years y- now.
3: Yes, please give us a follow at Shark Movie Doc. Shark Movie Doc. Uh, uh, one word on on Twitter.
1: And for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at NeverMadeFilm and Instagram at BestMoviesNeverMade. Made. also recommend you get the Electric Now app so you can see video of all our podcast episodes for free. Uh, We'd like to thank everyone at the Electric Surge Network, including Bill Ritter and our producers Mark A. Altman and Dean Devlin. Until next time, this is Josh Miller and...
3: Steven Scarlatta.
1: ...saying we won't see you at the movies.